Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here today. We're beginning a brand new series today called A Hustle, making your dollars and cents work for you. Before I kind of dive into that today, though, I've got to say this. I've been getting all kinds of emails, text messages. In fact, there was an email that came in from all the way from India about last weekend's message. And uh, apparently last weekend's message was the greatest message ever preached at Coastal. And so can we just give it up for Shayla and uh, that message last weekend. If, if you weren't here, apparently you need to go back and listen to it because it, it, it's all we were talking about this series called Trash Talk and the Power of Your Words, and apparently it had the best words ever in it, and so you might want to check that out. But today, everybody say today. Today we're talking about the hustle that we're in because every day we are hustling, aren't we? We're, we're trying to make enough money to try to build this life and the dreams and the goals and the aspirations that we all have. And we are all are working on a, a, a future for every single one of us in our finances have a ton to do with our future and particularly our own personal financial future. And our finances are a big deal. And right now is what I know is that people are struggling a lot with their finances. In fact, Money Magazine just recently came out with an article that said that 64% of people are worried about their family's financial future. Two-thirds of people out there are stressed out about their personal finances. In fact, financial stress is the number one reason that people get a divorce today. And so the finances are a big deal. In fact, uh, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, there were all these prayer requests that were laid out across our stage here that you guys put out. And, and I looked at those and there was an overwhelming majority of them that people were dealing with financial situations where they were dealing with money issues that they were having. And they're asking God for a breakthrough in their life because they're stressed out in their word. And I actually looked up that word stress this week, and the word stress is defined by Webster's Dictionary as to torment with cares and anxieties, to suffer from some disturbing thoughts. And here's what I know is a lot of us are suffering with anxious thoughts, disturbing thoughts, especially when it comes to our money and our financial situation. And here's what I know is that God actually has a lot to say about our personal finances and what does that look like for our lives and so today I want to start off and I want to do something a little bit different uh, here's what I'm going to ask I'm going to ask everybody to take out what represents money to you for maybe for guys it's a wallet for girls it's a person I want you to take it out and I want you to hold it up in the air like this just go ahead and take out whatever represents money and I can see you so if you don't do anything I'm, I'm going to be like hey I see you sir I see you ma'am okay everybody take it out just kind of hold it up what re represents your financial life I don't care what it is. I don't, I don't care if it's just your hand right now. Okay, just, just raise it up in the air. Raise it up in the air. Kind of hold it up in the air. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give it to the person to your right and say, you're welcome. No, just don't, don't do that. <laughs> hold it back up. Hold it back up in the air. Hold it back up in the air. Here's the question that we all have to answer. Do you have a hold of it or does it have a hold of you? Do you have a hold of your money or is your money holding you? And the answer to that question for a lot of us, honestly, according to statistics, is our money has got a hold of us. 
It's, got a, it, it's not just holding us. It's actually got us locked up. For others of us, it's choking us. It's suffocating our lives. And God actually has a lot to say about this. And over the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I want to get really, really practical with us. I want to talk to us about how do we grab hold of our financial future? How do we apply biblical principles that are all throughout Scripture so that we can begin to change our financial future? And here's what I know is that God wants to change your financial future. But there are things that you have not only got to believe but there's something else that you have to do. It's found in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Now, here's what I know is that we, most of us, we want to eat the best of the land. We want to eat filet mignon, and we want to eat, we want to eat lobster. We want the best of the best. Maybe if you're a vegetarian, you want like an apple. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Just trying to apply to everybody there. So, okay. Uh, we want the best of the land, and that's the promise, but there's a premise that comes before it. It says, if you are willing and obedient, which means you've got to have a will, and you've got to be willing to walk out what God actually says to experience that in our lives. And God wants you to experience that in life. And if you're going to do that, here's what you have to do. You've got to put God first in your life. You've got to put him in the primary position in your life. So many times we want to put God in like second, third, 17th place in our life. And we wonder why God is not involved in every aspect of our lives. And what's interesting as a pastor, I hear people say all the time, they're like, man, why, why is God doing this to me in my finances? Like, why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't God taking care of this situation? Which is interesting because we blame God for our situation, but we never invited him in on the decision-making process on the front end. And then we want to blame him for decisions that we made where he had nothing to do with it. You didn't even ask him what he thought. But it's his fault when it all screws up, isn't it? That seems kind of illogical, doesn't it? Those were your decisions. See, we make decisions and then our decisions make us. And the greatest decision you could make is to put God first in every aspect of your life. He doesn't want to be Lord of some. He wants to be Lord of all. That doesn't just include your salvation. It includes every single aspect of your life. And God, in particular, he wants to be Lord of your financial world as well. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income. It's talking about the, the principle of the tithe. Honor God with the first 10%. In fact, God says, return that to me. And it says, he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest of wines. See, God wants to be involved in your financial world. He wants to be involved in your financial decisions, but he wants to be first in that aspect of your life. He wants you to make him the priority of your life, and the priority of your life is always dictated by what you value most. Your priorities are always revealed by your dollars, and whatever is first in your life, that is the priority in your life. Don't believe me? Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What's interesting is Jesus says, this is going to reveal where this is. He actually is saying that wherever this is going, that's what you value in life. 
And a lot of us, what we do is we go, but God knows my heart. Oh, God, God knows my heart. And we use that as a justification to do whatever we want. And I'll go, go, oh, God knows my heart. You know how he knows your heart? By revealed by your actions. Because our actions always reveal our heart. Because I can tell Shayla, Shayla, I love you. But if I don't pay any attention to Shayla, do I really love her? Notice I have to pay attention to show her love. There's a payment that goes to show her that. I have to pay something, which means it costs something to give her love and affection. See, God does know your heart based on where you spend things. And I can tell you what you love based on, I would say your checking account, but nobody uses that anymore, based on your credit card statement. I can tell you what you value and what's your priority in life based on those things. For some of you, it's youth sports. Nothing wrong with youth sports, just as long as it's not in the number one position. For some of you, it is golf. Nothing wrong with golf. It's a blessed sport. But it's, it's, it's a problem when it's the number one position. For some of you, it's food. Like all of your money is being spent on eating out. Nothing wrong with food. In fact, you need food, but not when it's the number one position in your life. And God's saying, hey, I want to be the ultimate, and I want to be involved in your life because I'm not after your money. I'm after your heart. I'm after the depths of who you are, and when I get your heart, I can begin to get personal with you because that's what I'm after. I'm a personal God, and I want to be personally involved in your life. And specifically, I want to be involved in your personal finances, and your finances are way more personal than they are finances. And God's trying to deal with that personal aspect and he's going, hey, there is some responsibility that you personally have that you've got to learn to manage in your life. Because if I were to say to you this year, you know what, I want to be healthy and I'm going to work out for 30 minutes a day, but every meal I ate is a double bacon cheeseburger with fries loaded at Burger Fi. How many of y'all know I'm not going to get there very fast? In fact, I'm probably going to go backwards. Why? Because I can't just say something. I have to begin to change some habits to go along with it. And God is trying to go, hey, I want to begin to change the habits that are in your life and get you on the right path because there is a path that will lead to life when it comes to your finances. And this is what he says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. He says, good planning and hard work. Two things that we don't really like to do. We want the shortcut. Anybody else like shortcuts? I like shortcuts. I'm looking for shortcuts driving. I'm looking for shortcuts in every aspect. Like, how do I get to a place faster? But God says that that leads to poverty. But there is a way of life that leads to prosperity. And it's not name it and claim it. It's good planning and hard work. And so today, I want to talk to you about good planning. I want to get really, really practical. What does good planning look like? And what does God have to say about that? And how does that apply to our life? And it applies like this. What it means is that you've got to get a vision for your finances. Some of y'all, your vision is, is I make money and I spend money. I mean, that, that is a vision, but you have no idea what is actually happening within that. And most of us don't have a vision for our financial future. And Zig Ziglar says this. He says, if you aim at nothing, you'll always hit that target. 
And a lot of us, we're aiming at nothing. And we're going, man, I'm, I'm killing it in life. But because you don't have a vision in your finances, you're letting your neighbor determine your vision. You're letting society determine your vision. You're letting commercials determine your vision. You're letting your friends determine your vision. And the word of God says, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. Another version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so when we don't have a vision for our financial future, what happens is, is, is we end up in some really, really crazy situations. We end up in places where we never intended to end up. People without a vision spend money without restraint. People without a vision just rack up credit card, credit card, credit card, credit card. And people without a vision spend more money than they make. And they wonder why the majority of Americans live paycheck to paycheck because we're unrestrained in life. And listen, I know all about this. We are 21 years old. We got married. Shayla and I end up when you're in college, you know what they give you as like your first rite of passage to college? They give you a credit card. And we never had a credit card. Nobody ever taught us financial principles. We were like, man, this is awesome. You just go places and you swipe it and they give you stuff. And man, we got good at the swipe, you know. Now it's the chip, you know. But we had to swipe down. Within a singular year, one year of college, we racked up $25,000 in consumer credit card debt. It's okay, you can just, I know you're saying in your mind, you stupid, we were. <laughs> we racked it up. And we realized, man, we're in trouble because here's the deal. Unrestrained living will put a whole bunch of restraints on you eventually. And all of a sudden, when we were just living careless and free, we were locked down with debt where we virtually had no options. And in that moment, we started getting a vision for our future. Started getting a vision of what we wanted our future to look like, and it didn't look like it was chained down to debt. We started getting a vision of how we wanted to live. We started getting a vision later on in life for planning a church and, and how we're going to live and what parameters we're going to live with. We have, we have a vision every year where we sit down at the beginning of the year and we decide, hey, how are we going to live this year? And we have a, we have a, a mantra in our home that we want to be the most generous people on the, place of the, on the face of this earth. And so we base our budget based on our generosity first and living second. Why? Because we have a vision for our future. And we learned that with a vision, we know what to say yes to and we know what to say no to. And I've learned this principle and some of us need to learn it in here. It's this, no means no. K-N-O-W, knowing means no. And when you get a clear vision for your future, when you know what that vision looks like, it makes it easy to say no to things that everybody else is saying yes to. Because that yes is taking you away from the vision instead of closer to it. And a lot of us, we're allowing things to take us to a place that we don't want to go. How many of you guys in here, you want to be wrecked in your financial future? Like you want to be drinking Pepto-Bismol to care for your ulcers and, and having anxiety and depression? Nobody, not a single servant. Nobody's raised their hand for that. I don't know why. How many of you guys want to have a secure and abundant financial future? Like where you owe no man anything except for the love of Christ, where when opportunity arises, you don't have to go, oh man, I can't afford to do that. But because you have savings and you have margin in life, you're like, man, I can jump on that and take advantage of that. Here's what I know is almost everybody raises their hands is, man, yeah, I want to be financially free. I, I want to have a vision for that. But a vision without a plan is just a pipe dream. 
See, a vision isn't just something you say. It's actually a plan that you've put together that you're going to work to see yourself get to that place. Because if right now I said, hey, I, wanna, I need to go to Miami International Airport. I need to catch an international flight at 6 p.m. And I jumped on I-95. And all of a sudden, the signs that I saw were 35 miles to West Palm Beach, 10 miles to West Palm Beach. What would you say? You're going in the wrong direction. See, a lot of us say, man, I want to be financially set and free. But could I submit to you that you're heading in the wrong direction? You might say that, but your direction, not your intention, is going to determine your destination. The GPS that you set up is going to determine that. You've got to actually have a plan of how to get there turn by turn of where you're going to go and how you're going to arrive. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And so many people enter through it. He goes on to say, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, I want to make sure you understand, Jesus right here is talking about salvation and eternal life. That's the context of this verse, but I think it applies to our finances. For wide is the gate of Visa and MasterCard and American Express. And broad is the road of consumer debt that leads to destruction. And so many people are walking through those doors every day. But small is the gate of people who have a vision for their finances. And narrow is the road of people that actually have a plan to make that vision happen. And only a few actually live it out. And so how do we begin to plan? And this is super practical for you guys today. Number one, the plan that we have to do is we have to develop a spending plan. we got to develop a spending plan. Now, that seems obvious. Like, i got to have a spending plan. But most people don't plan beyond what is happening here today. That's the reality. That's the culture we live in. That's the day and the age that we live in. Uh, and just just. It's like this, it, w girls that are single right now, all they want to do is get married. And when they find that someone, what they do is they plan for the next 6 to 12 months for a wedding day. God doesn't care at all about the wedding day. He cares about the wedding night. You just tell him where to show up. He'll be there. And so we'll plan for a year for a singular day, but we'll never plan for the marriage that's going to follow. We'll plan for years of building our dream home, the finishes that are going to be in it, the number of bedrooms that we're going to have, the kind of kitchen cabinets and countertops that we're going to have, but we'll never plan for the family that's actually going to live in that home. We're so short-sighted when it comes to our future, and most of us are missing out on a long-range vision and a long-range plan, and it's so true not just for our life, but it's so true in our finances. And the first thing you have to get when it comes to getting a spending plan is this dirty word that starts with the, the letter B, and it's called a budget. In fact, some of you have never even see, said this word in your life, so on the count of three, everybody's going to say budget. One, two, three. Budget. For some of you, that's the first time you ever said that. Others of you are still disobedient and unwilling to even go there. But you got to get a budget, and it seems so obvious, but Gallup just did a poll. 2020, 68% of homes in America have no working operating budget. If you know where you want to go in life, 
You know you need a plan to get there. And financially speaking, that plan is called a budget. And see, managing the responsibility that has been given to you is not just knowing how much you make and how much you spend, but how much is left over. And if you don't know that, then, man, you are going to be stressed out and freaking out over this issue of money in your life. Because Proverbs tells us riches can disappear fast. Some of you all know that. You got paid on Friday and you're broke on Sunday. You're like, where'd it go? It's like it was just in the count, gone. Why? Because they disappear fast. But it says this, so watch your business interests closely. Bottom line is you got to get a budget. You got to have a plan. For Shayla and I, man, we were 25 grand in debt. Man, we, we, we got a plan. It was, it was through Dave Ramsey. It's through Financial Peace University. It, it wasn't called that back in the day. It was actually... Uh, by a guy named Larry Burkett. He ended up taking it over, but it was called the cash system. We got rid of our credit cards and we got envelopes that we got cash in. I remember we were so broke. Shayla's like, here's $100. This is your money for food. This is your money for gas. This is your money for fun for the entire month. I said, well, what happens when I run out of that? She goes, well, when you run out and you don't have gas, you walk. When you run out and you don't have food, you fast. We got really spiritual really fast. But it was our plan. We worked that budget. We started giving a name to every dollar that we had. This dollar was going towards housing. This dollar was going towards utilities. This dollar was going towards food. And if you don't start naming your money, your money will just disappear. If you don't have any idea where it's going, like it just, have you just noticed like money just seems to walk off? It's like, where did that go? I don't even know. You got to get a budget. Number two, you got to develop a savings plan. Got to develop a savings plan. We're the most short-sighted and impatient group of people in the world in America. We see something we want right now, and what do we do? Man, we pull out the credit card, and we pay for it, and we're like, yes. But we have no idea that that bill is coming, and we're really going to pay for it then. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Debt.com just came out with the latest statistics. 19% of Americans have $0 saved. 31% have less than $500. 70% have less than $1,000 saved. What does that mean? It means that 7 out of 10 people sitting in this room, because I know that we're in an upper middle class or upper class area, but this is across the United States. This is, this, this is no disrespecter of your income level, because I know rich people that are broke as a joke. Slave to a lender. It means that if an emergency pops up, you have no funds to take care of that problem. So what that means is that you're one crisis away from being financially ruined. You're one water park breaking. You're one uh, child getting sick. You're one car breaking down from having to go and swipe your credit card and pay on credit, and you're going to continue to pay later. And here's what I've learned, and this isn't in your notes, is that when you don't have margin, which is what savings is all about, it's about this idea of margin. It's about having a buffer in your life. I've noticed when I've got money in the bank, problems don't seem to arise, but the moment I'm broke, everything breaks. Have you, has anybody else ever realized that and noticed that? It's like when, when I'm broke, it's like every car breaks down, kids break down, wife breaks down. She doesn't break down. Anyways. <laughs> 
But when I have margin, it's like everything seems to last a little bit longer, go a little bit longer. And so we need to create some margin in our life. We need to create some savings in our life. So how do you do that? It's real simple. You have a checking account. Go to your bank on Monday. Open up this thing called a savings account. Your bank does it. And here's what you do. When you get paid, ask them to automatically draft $20, $50, $100. You don't know where your money's going anyway, so it'll just go over in that account. And all of a sudden, what will happen is, is because you don't know any better, over the next couple of months, you'll start to create margin in your life. You'll start to develop some savings in your life. So when that emergency arises, when that great aunt in Ohio dies and you need to go to her funeral, you're not swiping a credit card. You've got a fund for that. You've got the ability to pay for that. I love what Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad says. He says, the poor people pay themselves last, and that's why they're poor. Rich people pay themselves first, and that's why they're rich. I know some of you are like, but Pastor Tina, you, you just told me I need to trust God and put, give him the first 10%. And then you said I need to start to pay myself first. What about all this, these burdens that I already have on me? Like, what, do I, like, what order do I do that in? And, and here's what I would say to you. I would say, like, I trust God first. Why? Because God can do more with my 90 than I've been able to do with my 100 and if I want God to do the impossible in my life, I've got to put my faith in him to be able to do that. Because I know it's possible with me. And then honestly, I, I would start to pay myself first. Maybe not at, at, at the level that, that I would suggest to you, but I, I believe that all of us should minimally live by this rule. It's called the 10-10-80 principle. First 10% goes to God. Second 10% goes to yourself. And you learn to live on 80% of your income. You're like, how do you do that? You don't try to keep up with the Joneses. You live within your boundaries. And you start to go, you know what? I, I'm not going to just spend everything, but I'm, I'm going to trust and I'm going to save and watch God begin to do some things in your life. And then number three, you got to develop a plan for debt elimination. And honestly, it, it all boils down to, to this right here. We put stuff on credit because we don't have savings. And we put stuff on credit because we don't have a budget. And we do all that because we don't have a vision of being debt-free. And it cripples us when it comes to this area of finances in life. And listen, we're, we're just learning from our government. I'm just going to be honest. We live in a day and an age where everything says spend, 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 spend. Don't worry about tomorrow. But we're not called to be like everybody else. We're called to be different than this world. We're called to live differently as Christ followers. And what's crazy is the latest statistic says the average person spends a dollar four for every dollar they make. Now, some of y'all are really good at saving and you're skewing that. For most people, it's probably more like a dollar thirty or a dollar fifty for every dollar they make. And what's crazy is you don't even know where that extra is going to. And so what happens for a lot of us is we're making 40 grand a year and we go, oh man, we spend $4,000 more this year than, than what we made. And we think, oh, it's no big deal. I'm gonna get a raise at the end of the year and I'll make that up. But here's the thing that we fail to realize is that that debt, interest can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Interest working for you, compounding is your best friend in life. It's helping you for your future. Interest working against you from credit cards at 
is your worst enemy. And so what we do is we go, oh man, I'll just make the minimum payment on that. You keep making the minimum payment, the credit cards have figured it out. It'll take you 30 years to pay that off. Making the minimum payment, why? Because they want to make money off you. They don't have your best interests in mind. They don't want what's best for you. They want what they can get from you. And God wants to, doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He wants, he wants you not to be a slave anymore. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. He's saying, listen, there's, there's a time that we got to get away from being slaves. I've set you free back in Egypt. I've set you free from the cross. Let's begin to set you free from this financial bondage that a lot of us have put ourselves into. You go, well, I'm not a slave. Listen, if you have to think about money in order to make a decision because of prior obligations for that money, you're a slave. If you don't have breathing room, if you don't have margin in your life, I'm going to guess you're probably, you're probably pretty close to being enslaved. And some of us need to do something here that is very popular in South Florida. We need to have some plastic surgery. Little nip tuck. I'm not talking about a facelift or a tummy tuck. I'm talking about some plastic surgery when it comes to our finances and cutting up some things and making some drastic changes when it comes to our financial outlooks. Maybe cutting up some credit cards and making some big changes. I'll, I'll never forget, and I'll be honest, somebody just said as, as, as they were walking out, maybe sometimes you're a little too honest, but we got ourselves out of debt the first time and we went right back into it. We didn't learn anything. We went back right into about $25,000 worth of credit card debt. And we realized, man, if we don't begin to make some drastic changes in our life and in our habits, we're going to keep repeating this cycle. And some of you are in the middle of the cycle. I remember at the time, we were like, man, we got we to do some drastic things. And we were driving nice cars. We decided, man, we're going to sell these cars and we're going to buy cars that we could actually afford. Shayla got a nice car. I got a 1994 Taurus station wagon. It's ugliest sin. It was primer gray. Like literally they painted it with primer paint because it was like rusting and none of the exterior lights worked. So at night, uh, like I had no headlights. I had no taillights. During the day, I had neither of those. And none of my interior gauges worked. So I, I didn't know if I had gas. I didn't know what speed I was going. But here's the thing. It started up every day. So I was like, this is awesome. And that car was anointed. It was blessed. It was blessed with two quarts of oil every single week to make it go. But that car changed everything because it was a car I could actually afford. It cost me $200 to buy that car. Some of you are like, that's embarrassing that you would drive around in that. No, 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 it is liberating. And that, that car taught me a lot of lessons. It taught me that I didn't need to try to keep up with everybody else that God has a plan for my life. We started making some drastic changes. And maybe for some of you, you need to make some drastic changes. You, I know you've got cable, TV in your home, 600 channels and nothing on. You can cut it. It costs about $85 a month on average. That Starbucks you walked in here with today, $5 a day, 30 days a week is 150 bucks a month. You know you can make coffee at home for between 10 and 25 cents. I know we just, we just hit your God right now. A lot of us, what we think our needs are really just wants. 
And for some of us, we need to learn to make some drastic changes. I know during that time, we are, we are just learning what God said about finances, and we are learning it for ourselves. And we read this verse in Malachi. It says, where God, we should tr- test him and trusting him. And at the time, we looked at our financial state, and we, we, we went, I don't see how we're ever going to get ourselves out of this. Like, we are so, so deep right now. And I realized that the only way we're going to get out of it is if we are making double the income that we are making. And so this is my story. This is not for, for you, but this is my story. So uh, we said, man, God, we're going to test you. We're going we're to see if your word is true. And we started tithing based on the income we needed to make, not the income we were making. It's actually 20% of our income. We actually, so we started trusting God and we started applying these principles. We started eliminating things out of our life that were not necessities. And do you know that within one year, we're completely debt-free? Why? Because we made some drastic changes and we learned some principles from that you'll learn in like financial piece about debt snowballing and how to eradicate debt out of your life so that we would no longer be slave to a lender, but that we could be living free in life. And what it taught us in that season was number four, it taught us to develop some really good habits. And see, right now, some of us, we have some some habits that are crippling us, that are hurting us. And we need to begin to develop the things that God is trying to speak to us here today. In fact, Jesus said this about our habits and when it comes to our things in life. He says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. See, where you're at right now matters. See, everybody always says, well, when I get more, then I'll trust God. When I get more, I'll be a better steward. No, no, no. God is looking at how are you being faithful with what he's placed in your hand here today? Like, how are you stewarding the little that you already have? Because God is not going to give you more if you can't take care of little. Like, he's too good of a God. Like, he knows that if he gave you more, it would hurt you, not help you. Like, and he's too shrewd, like, nobody's going to, like, if you have a child, and they have a bike, and every time they come in, they throw that bike on the ground, do you want, as a parent, want to buy them a new bike? No, because you're like, you don't even take care of the bike you have. Maybe I should say, your kid has a cell phone, and they throw it down, you know, like, make it more relevant to today. You don't want to give them more. You would go, no, 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 I want you to, I want you to take care of that. He says, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Notice he doesn't say I'll give you many more things. Why? Because there's a responsibility that comes with the gifts and the talents and the resources that God puts in your hand. It isn't so you can just consume more. It's so you can be responsible for more. He says, let's celebrate together. And this is what I have learned this is what I know is true, is that your faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness in your life. And God is trying to teach his people to be faithful. To be faithful in the season that you're in, and that faithfulness will produce things in your life that you can never produce on your own. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 21.5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Here's what I know about God, is God has got an incredible plan. He's got an incredible future for you. He says all that. In fact, Jesus came and he said, hey, I've come to give you life 
and give it to you more abundantly. And I love that, more abundantly. You're like, I want more abundantly. But he says, you know what abundance comes from? It comes from plans and diligence. It comes from good planning and hard work. See, this isn't prosperity gospel. Hey, trust God and he's going to give you a Bentley with 22s. No, no, no. This is, hey, you know what you do? You, you get out there, you get a plan and you work that plan and God will bless your life. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. And for some of us today, we need to get a vision for our future, specifically when it comes to our finances. Then we need to get a plan and we need to start to work that plan. We need to be diligent in that plan. And I, here's what I promise. If you'll be diligent in that plan, it will surely lead you to abundance. Because that's who God is and that's what he does. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a God that no matter where we're at in life, no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, God, that you always provide a way where it seems like there is no way. And I know that there's some people that are in here today that they are dealing with some financial situations and financial seasons of their life where they feel like there is no way out. But God, you always provide a way. And right now, I know that you're quickening people's hearts. You're convicting people's hearts about their personal finances because this is more about personal than it is finances. And you're trying to change some things inside of them so you can change some things outside of them. And for some of them, it's going to begin with that recognizing and realizing, getting that awareness of where they are and what's going on. God, my prayer is, is that today would be the day that they'd say, I'm not going to stay the same. Today would be the day that says there is going to be a change that's going to take place. And they, they would step out and reach out and get involved in a group of financial peace. Or they would fill out a card and say, I need some financial counseling here. And, and somebody would get with them and they would begin to make some drastic changes. Not living short-sighted just for today, but living for the future and for tomorrow. And that God, when, as they do, that you would show up in ways like you never have before because they start to begin to trust you and put you first in their life and make you a priority in their life. And that God, you would do immeasurably more than all they could ever ask or imagine. That you would open up doors that have been shut. That you would make ways where there have been no ways. And that God, that as they plan and they're diligent, that you would surely lead them to the abundant life that Jesus promised. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor TJ. Did you guys get some tools and some encouragement from that? Was that good for you? Absolutely. You know, here's, here's what I know in, in all this. It's hard work. And, and I know for, for me and my wife, as we were getting out of debt a few years ago, you know, one of the things that you kind of feel like every now and then is like, man, I'm missing out. Like I'm missing out. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not keeping up.